Time once again for T. Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. It is a Tuesday, November the 22nd, 2022. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com alongside site publisher Tim Watts as we ready for the 2022 edition of the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn from Bryant-Denny Stadium. Saturday afternoon, 2.30-ish kickoff on CBS. And Tim Watts, we won't get much into Alabama-Austin P. That game was what it was, an FCS opponent, a paycheck for the governors of Austin P. Alabama, some positives, some things that you throw away given the the situation and who you're playing, when you're playing them. And with Auburn on the horizon, uh, just some of your general thoughts as uh, Alabama prepares for a rejuvenated Auburn team under Cadillac Williams. Yeah, I mean, I think Alabama's the big favorite here. I know why everybody will be hesitant, um, or I should say some of the guys will be hesitant with their uh, Alabama love. I mean, you know, kind of walk-through effort against Austin P. But, you know, to me, it just goes back to that. I mean, last game, last chance to see Bryce and Bryant-Denny, last chance to see Will Anderson and Bryant-Denny. I mean, will will be some, some guys on that team playing their last game. Uh, I find it hard to believe they won't get up for this game. You know, I've seen some of the criticism, but I've, I've never felt that this team really went through the motions in most of these games. I mean, when they play LSU, when they played Ole Miss, when they played Texas A&M, when they play these guys, they're up for the game. I feel like they're they're there to compete, and they want to they want to win. So I feel like it's a you know pretty good matchup for Alabama. Obviously, I know the Cinderella story with with uh, Carnell Williams coaching Auburn and. Winning a couple of games, almost won three in a row, including you know losing to Mississippi State in overtime. But Alabama is going to be a, a much better football team than Auburn on paper going in. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt when you look at the current line in Vegas. What is it? Alabama favored by 21, 22 points. If you just go by roster, yeah, I think you could certainly make that case for Alabama. This isn't an Alabama team, though, just in terms of point spreads that has been especially effective if you put a shekel or two down on them covering points here in the last five or six games. But absolutely, just from a talent perspective, you doing what you do for so many years uh, and also being glued in and tied into the Alabama football program in general, uh, Auburn looks like a limited team still. Now, a team that offensively with Carnell in there, have committed more to those running backs, Bigsby Hunter and also Robbie Ashford, the former Hoover and Oregon quarterback and what he's able to do on the ground. But um, it, it shouldn't be uh, all that difficult to kind of prepare for this Auburn offense, I wouldn't think, this week for Alabama. No, I think the defense is the one you have to watch. The Auburn defense versus Alabama offense, I think that's the challenge to watch. I think Auburn had maybe 200 um, 50 yards rushing last week on Western Kentucky. So they're definitely going to keep the ball on the ground. Not really a threat much over the top. But I will say, you know, if Alabama gets sucked in, like against Western Kentucky, they could have dropped a couple of knuckles on their head, you know, early. They had a couple bombs that were there, overthrew them. Um, it's going to be kind of that same thing where you're, you know, you're expecting, if anything, a short pass, if um, you're expecting the run to come up on the run. So if you get sucked in and aren't, aren't really watching deep, you could get beat i mean ashford has an arm he's got a he's got an nfl arm as far as the the strength of his arm and and all that kind of stuff but yeah you know you're gonna have to you know lock down the run that's gonna be the main thing and also 
you're going to have to factor in trick plays. I think Auburn's definitely going to pull out. And, you know, if I'm Cadillac, I'm running everything. I'm running the accusation <laughs> of Mexico or whatever that play was called in the movie, Little Giants. I'm running them all. So I'm having a fun time and a uh, good story. And it's not surprising. He's a really energetic guy. He was that way in high school. He was that way in college. He's that way in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I mean, but, you know, for me, you know, it's going to come down to Alabama if they want to. You keep expecting them. We've said this since the Texas game, them to put a really good game on, you know, 60 minutes game together, and it, it really hasn't happened. And so, you know, maybe this is their last chance to do that as this unit. You know, I mean, there will obviously be, you know, the bowl game. But I don't think we're going to be looking at the same roster. I mean, there'll be guys that, that won't play in that bowl game. I don't know who they are yet, but there will be guys that sit out. What about the eternal optimists that are out there, Tim, that say, hey, look, had some crazy stuff happen last weekend in college football. Tennessee gets a 60-burger hung on it in Columbia, South Carolina. Um Perhaps there's some upsets this weekend and the following weekend in conference championship Saturday. And is there still a path? Can you envision a path still for this Alabama team to the college football playoff? You know, I can't. I mean, I mean, it's always possible, but man, there is so much. And you sort of felt like it was going to happen. Like in the past, when Alabama lost the game, like what, what year was that that Alabama lost? And you said it's over in the next week. You had like uh, 2011 was certainly one of those years because you were still in the uh, BCS was, era and you only had two spots back then. The next game you had like maybe Oregon losing. I can't even remember. <laughs> you had like Notre Dame or some Boston College. Yeah, Lane. Yeah. Lane was at SC and beat Oregon. In yeah, Eugene. So you go yeah. from number one to number five with no chance, and the next week you're number two. <laughs> Iowa State beat Oklahoma State on yes. like a Friday night. Remember yeah. that? And I'm yeah. talking with you that you have to wait. It was just like there the next week or two. You're like, okay, back in it. So this one, there's just a lot to climb. Um, uh, you know, me, I've, I've seen, you know, you're right. Tennessee, absolutely. You know, to, to me, just was that game was just shocking. Um, not, you know, I mean, we all know South Carolina is tough to play in. I don't think we'd have been surprised if it was a battle. But to see them get completely thrashed, we did not expect. I mean, you know, that thing. So, I mean, it's college football. Upsets can, you know, they happen very regularly. But I do think that when you get down to it, I mean, you're going to look at a Michigan, one loss Michigan or Ohio State team. Georgia's going to be in regardless if they lose the SEC championship. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so Georgia's going to be in. TCU needs to win another game, I think, and they're going to be in. So you get in that situation, you know, to me, the wildest, craziest things that could happen would be with what happens to LSU if LSU beats Georgia. Are they in? I mean, we're getting They're in. Yeah, Yeah. so there's a two-loss team there. So for me, I think it's possible. I know mathematically it's possible. It's just not very good odds. I wouldn't, you know, I don't want my doctor to give me the same odds of living that Alabama's got to make that, that football playoffs right now. Yeah, before the season, I may have liked the chances of Texas A&M beating LSU this Saturday in College Station, but now you couldn't get me to touch that, man. Well, the beat- way this Texas A&M team looks. I mean, the thing about it is that LSU is beatable. Um, uh, Could have easily lost the week before, but you're right. Texas A&M, they're fan. I mean, I, and I've seen some, some Dumpster crazy- fire. I mean, sir, yeah. We've seen some crazy stuff over. We're old, and we've seen some <laughs> crazy stuff. But Texas A&M's fans last week, 
that the 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 state, gone the state the ones that even showed up yeah I, they were like running around I mean I saw some the bunch of the college kids doing like a relay they had a shirt they were like running around the stadium like they were in the Olympics and they were <laughs> running around the seats in a circle and uh, p- passing like their shirt is a baton I mean it was literally just empty nobody's there they're missing 30 players so we've seen a lot of insanity I do not expect LSU to lose at Texas A&M simply because the one thing you know about a Brian Kelly type coach is that they're going to be prepared for that game but I feel like if LSU is going to lose they were they were going to lose the you know they weren't going to lose to Texas A&M it would have been at Arkansas yeah, I, I said this before the Arkansas game. I, if I were an LSU fan, I'd feel a hell of a lot more comfortable with Brian Kelly in this scenario down the stretch than I would have with either Les Miles or Ed Orgeron because we saw LSU lose those kind of games under both those guys. Kelly, whatever you think of him, um, seems to be that sort of steadying presence oh, yeah. Yeah, that those pro. guys weren't. He's a pro. He's yeah. going to be more like Nick Saban than the fact right. that he- approaches every game the same way where, you know, an emotional guy like Ed Orgeron would have him up for one game and not really up for the, so much the next game. A lot of lane talk this week in association with Auburn, even a report last was, night, I believe that he is done I at Ole Miss in the tweet. I mean, I didn't understand. They haven't, there had been no job offer. There's no job offer as of yet, but Lane Kiffin will be stepping down after the egg bowl Thursday night and accepting the Auburn job. I yeah. That was the tweet. I believe. I don't know if that's a typo or just poorly worded or he did, you know, you're kind of limited on what there. And then Lane Kiffin, of course, is trolling them. Yeah. Um, I saw that. I mean, the thing is, if Lane leaves Ole Miss after trolling that guy, this is another, this you is know, Lane, though. We both know. Who the heck knows? I mean, he sets he sets the house on fire when he leaves. And yeah. Miss fans, this would take that rivalry to a, uh, um, you know, that would that be that be interesting to see if he actually left because he kind of made you think he wasn't leaving. Um, if that was a normal, you know, a normal coach, I would say that coach isn't leaving because we've heard that talk before. But with Lane, you never know. Um, he hasn't said adamantly that he will not be leaving Ole Miss. He said the right things. This, either way, old, Lane Kiffin's about to have a lot of cash, a lot of guaranteed cash, because look at these deals of late with Brian Kelly and Jimbo Fisher. Oh, it's yeah. going to be guaranteed cash, whether it's Ole Miss or Auburn or somewhere else. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to me to see um, to see if it is Lane, because you know the one thing about the Auburn coaching search, it's always all over the place, right? It's never, you know, we you see a hot. Oh board. yeah, absolutely. So for them, for the for the for the top target to be Lane Kiffin, and for them to land Lane Kiffin would be a first that I can remember. So uh, definitely interesting. Definitely increases the, uh, you know, Alabama Auburn rivalry. I really don't see it as that big a deal. I mean, Alabama was playing them every week, every year, anyways. At Ole Miss, I mean, Auburn to yeah. me is a better job. But you know, I see the debate. You know. Yeah. In, the whole debate. Yep. I, I see the stay at Ole Miss and win nine or ten yeah. games and be a hero forever. But also, you know, it's what not are you easy. trying to win, big picture wise? Yeah, easy to win nine or ten games every year at Ole Miss. Well, yeah, the portal was the was the was the was the absolute best thing to ever happen for a guy like Lane Kiffin because he's got a reputation, he's got a history, he's got. I mean, he's always going to have a quarterback because he's going to be able to say, "Look at who I've coached." Look at what I've done with them. Look what they've done. So he's always going to go get that quarterback. So 
I, you know, he had Jackson Dart, you know, got him out of the portal. Matt, Matt Corral, he inherited, but he's always going to be able to get those kind of guys. I think the bigger concern, if you're an Ole Miss fan, is that how much of your roster is going to follow him to Auburn, right? I mean, Quinshawn Judkins, the true freshman running back from right down the road of Auburn in the Montgomery area, you know, um, maybe that's overblown in some ways. And and a lot of these guys will wait and see if it does play out that Lane makes the move to Auburn, who his successor is. Um, But that would be probably my concern as much as anything if I'm an Ole Miss fan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could lose your coach. Jackson Dart. You can lose yeah. your players, and I don't know how many are. I mean, I think it depends. Like, how much of his staff does he bring? I mean, that. So, yeah, heading into the Iron Bowl. I mean, we've been there before. We've headed into an Iron Bowl several times with coaching uncertainty on either side. Alabama's coach on the line, and Auburn coaches on the line. But to see it at this level with Lane, who you know makes it, you know, that much more more high profile is interesting. And I did agree with some of the national guys that I didn't think that. Um, the, uh, the that it would be announced before the Iron Bowl that it'd be pretty disrespectful to Carnell Williams. Um, I do agree. I think that works to Alabama's advantage if it plays out that way, right? Yeah, I mean, I, that I, takes I, some of the air out of that balloon. Well, it's, I mean, the guy, you know, you see what Carnell. I mean, you can see what he's giving in a game. He's getting a week's paycheck just in the game. You can imagine the the time he's putting in in practice and everything. So yeah, I would I would agree that was a. That would be disrespectful, though. But I mean, these guys are going to play hard for him. Obviously, they like him. But you know, I think I think the Alabama guys will play hard for Nick Saban as well. And you know, new head coaches don't like to be dictated to typically in terms of staff. But regardless of what happens, Cadillac's got a place at Auburn, yeah. no matter what. But there is that whole you know, coaches tend not to want to keep the intern coach. In yeah, fact, it's, yeah. it's usually the kiss of death because. You have guys lined up with him. They're still aligned with the interim. Absolutely. You'll have guys that right now believe Carnell, and I know for a fact there's people that believe Carnell Williams should get the job. Yeah. Um, so there's people that are there that are, like you said, aligned with him. So um, that would be interesting because that's a, that's not a, you know, that would not be a popular move to, to let him go. But then again, you know, to me, if I'm a small school somewhere looking for a coach, I'm looking at Carnell Williams. I mean, you got Deion Sanders coaching. You know, he brought a lot of publicity to his school. Somewhere there's a Carnell Williams. I don't know if it's how about that. how about UAB? That's what I'm saying. Carnell Williams, you take a chance if he interviews well. I mean, his enthusiasm there's people's going to like him. I imagine he's a pretty good recruiter. Um, so there's a chance he gets a head coaching job out of this, and I think he's looking at it that way, um, or maybe just a you know a promotion or just to a you know to a a more comfortable spot for him, but. Obviously, this this coaching change has been good for him. And there are coaching questions involving Alabama going into this game. And we'll get into more of those, I guess, when we get into the mailbag. Because once again, Tim, that mailbag on the T. Watson TR edition of the Bama Online Podcast, uh, questions about the coaching staff and roster attrition. Man, it's a big recruiting weekend, too. Kind of gets lost in all this, which is a little bit of a surprise considering that Years in which Alabama hosts this game, uh, it's typically hand-in-hand with very, very big recruiting weekends. I know from an official visitor perspective, Alabama, uh, with a handful of of guys on campus, and that's before you get into all the unofficials, not only for this class, but 24, 25, and beyond, right? Yeah, I think what you're looking at now, though, is so early. We've talked to some guys. I know that 
you know, and Alabama's moved some of these official visits around because, you know, as we've discussed, they're not dying to have a huge weekend, um, you know, against them, you know, against, you know, obviously an in-state rival. They're not, and plus all the unofficial visitors, they're not dying to have, you know, a bunch of official visitors because, you know, usually when there's not a game, you get that full you get that full course. You get that Friday night till Sunday morning type deal. A little bit harder now because you got boosters in town, you got fans in town, and all that. I do know this. So Alabama's shuffled some guys in and out. Uh, Jaron Hamilton's coming in. Tony Mitchell, Connor Talty, uh, a couple commitments to Jaron Hamilton, obviously, who's been a priority for the Bama staff. Um, so, but you know, I think the bigger part will be the unofficial visitors, and I still think a lot of kids are in flux. I think this list could change a lot between now and Friday, because heck, you got rivalry games across the South. So you got a lot of people having to choose, I mean, across the nation, you got people having to choose which game they're going to on Saturday. And there's a, you know, there's a bunch of good ones depending on what kind of, you know, what kind of fan you follow. So, but James Smith, Quay Rusar too, that are expected to be in town, Alabama and Auburn are in pretty good shape. Uh, Look at those. Seems like it's going to be an in-state battle. Georgia's out there. Florida's out there, but those kind of big names. But I think by Friday, when the jockeying gets done and kids are having to make decisions because they still don't know. I mean, they're getting out of school. Uh, I guess high school kids get out of school on Wednesday, right? I think mine don't go. Uh, some, I think some Wednesday, maybe even some uh, today on Tuesday. So they're, but they're, yeah, they're making their travel plans. A lot of times it'll come down to, you know, if you went back home to, you know, if you went out of state to go see a, uh, a relative, you could end up in a school nearby or just skip it. So I think that visitors list is going to be, Pretty interesting on Friday once we confirm it. Yeah, it's interesting this year because you got Ole Miss, Mississippi State Thanksgiving night. You got Florida, Florida State on Friday night. I think Missouri, Arkansas is also earlier in the day on Saturday. And then, of course, Saturday, you got the Iron Bowl. You got Georgia, Georgia Tech. You got South Carolina at Clemson. So, especially if you're like a 24 or a 25, right? And you want to go on unofficials and and see three or four or five of your potential schools this weekend between Thursday and through Saturday, you'll have the potential uh, to do that. It's uh, it's kind of spread out this weekend. Don't forget forget Michigan and Ohio States this week. Oh yeah. Saturday early. I tell you one thing that kind of changed it. I know early in the year we were expecting a massive visitor weekend for Texas A&M. Um, last game of the year, they're hosting LSU. Texas A&M was expecting to be in the SEC pitcher, national pitcher. So there's a lot of guys who ended up in College Station that probably won't. We'll know if they're there because they'll be the they'll make up the majority of the fans not wearing gold. <laughs> but you'll uh, see them in the section where they yeah, have the recruits. Yeah, yeah that'll be them. 17, 18 visitors. There they are. Oh, jeez, that's rough. Hey, and you know what else is coming up? And we'll get more into this in the coming weeks. But even before the early signing date, that transfer portal window opens up. And so, whereas we talk about a potential bowl roster for Alabama, a postseason roster, got to take that into account uh, along with the the NFL decisions that have to be made. And boy, you just get the feeling more and more every year, it's going to be borderline pandemonium when that window opens. I believe it's the Monday after the conference championship games when they can really crank that thing up. But as we've talked about on previous podcasts, there's an undercurrent, right? Uh, There's a back channeling. There is so much stuff that is already underway uh, under the radar, so to speak, that 
a lot of it just becomes a formality once the window officially opens. Yeah, it's going to be a mess. I mean, it was a mess before. Um, you know, the, the thing is, after the SEC championship game, after that weekend, to me, that's always been the weekend where a lot of the coaches I know I catch up with, they're on the road, they were recruiting, the season's over. Because, you know, a lot of these guys are super busy, you know, once these seasons hit. And I'm talking NFL guys or anybody. So it's always been the coaching rumors would start and really get go to, going at that time. Well, then you've added the early signing period. You added the transfer portal. You had added coaches getting fired earlier than ever. I mean, there's so much going on. I don't know how there's not some calendar to separate this. Because, I mean, there's so much, you know, you know, you look at basketball. There was a lot of kids that hit the portal expecting to go to a school to play. And then that school signed somebody after they were, you know, they had transferred there. There's a lot, a lot, of, a lot at play here. You know, it's not necessarily good. As we discussed, you've got – if you've got – if you're not a monster recruit, if you're not a big player, I should say, if you're not a big time player, if you're not a guy that knows where you can go, have tape, going to have plenty of options, you better be, you better be back channeling, you better be figuring out yep. what your options are, or you're going to, you could possibly find out the hard way. You got no options. That's going to be mm-hmm. the, because these coaches are trying to figure out how to get to. You know, how many guys do we sign? How many on this rock keeping? How many are leaving? So you got coaches trying to set their roster with guys who aren't going to play. And then you got guys that are leaving that they might have wanted to keep. So you got roster issues. I mean, you got to be used gorilla math trying to figure out how to how to how to put all this together. Yeah. And for the top guys, obviously, NIL can come into play there. But for the vast majority we're talking about dudes just trying to find a spot. Forget about the NIL money, just a scholarship spot for all too many of these players. As you said, both in football, but also in basketball, we see it now on an annual basis. It's like guys just don't learn. Um, You know, if I'm at a school and I know that the previous year, two or three of my teammates left and they ended up without a spot, somewhere else, certainly at even the FBS level, maybe not even FCS. Maybe they had to drop down to NAIA or something like that. I mean, at some point, you would think there would be a, some osmosis there and, and there would become you know, a, a, a bit of a, a cautionary tale that would resonate with some of these guys. But it doesn't seem to be the case, Tim. I mean, it's like a lot of these guys think, oh, no, no, I'm different. You know, my, my situation is different. I'm different. I think they look at the one the hits instead of the misses. You know what yeah, I mean? I think you're they, right. I think you know if you hit the portal, you 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 know you you know an optimist definitely is saying, um, you know, I'm Jamison Williams. You know, that's and the, some of the bad advice they're getting. I mean, oh, you know, I don't think it's intentional. Look, I know enough. I don't guys. either. They're pumping the kid up, but God, they're they're not doing him any favors, right? right? I know enough parents. You know enough parents. I'm sure. A, they're they're they're. They think, you know, you get in, you, once you get in that mode, there ain't nothing worse than, you know, my coach is, you know, screwing over my kid. Whenever they say my kid, referring to their child, it's game over for that coach. You know, my yeah. kid should be playing. My kid can, you know, my kid can strike out. When they get in that mode, so when a parent gets mad at a coach, and you saw it's big enough that Mario Cristobal's addressing it. Oh, yeah. Mario Cristobal's Come like, pick him up this afternoon. Oh, you mad? Okay, they'll be out front. <laughs> they'll be out front with their. They'll be out front with their stuff. So that's how bad it is that you got parents and 
you know, and it's hard as a parent, you know, that I know that it was hard to, you know, to stay neutral when your kids played and all that stuff. But, um, in fact, we don't do a good job about it, but I don't think going to social media, I don't think it helps. I don't stay help staying in their ear. And it's not just parents, you know, upset with playing times. You got mentors and you got friends and all your friends. I mean, I had the word, oh, yeah. I have great friends and I had the worst friends with the worst advice. I don't know if they ever told me one thing that was smart. Um, yeah, we, yeah, they, so you got friends saying, man, you know, you know, go pro do this and that. So it's a lot of pressure on these guys. And I know, you know, I guess we debated enough whether they're kids or not. They're really young people. They're inexperienced. So they are, they are kids compared to adults. Yeah. You know, we kind of went through it with, uh, our oldest daughter when she was at Hawaii playing basketball and she was there first year and, it was fine, you know, and, and she contributed and she was in the rotation for the most part. Uh, but it, it wasn't great, uh, her first year. And she had the opportunity at that point to maybe consider moving on. But man, the one thing we just kept reinforcing to her was, and I did was, are you taking away every reason why the staff wouldn't play you as much as you would like? Or have you, have you taken away every reason why they will not give you the minutes that you really would rather have. And you got to be honest with that. You know, that's the best thing you can do. And she made the decision look, I got to improve. I got to become a better perimeter shooter. I got to be more of a, a presence on the offensive end. And that's what she did her last year. She got the minutes she wanted, but in so many cases, it's just, it's just too easy. I think in a lot of ways to just uh, take that plunge into the recruiting portal. So there you go. Uh, some recruiting talk in a transfer portal, transfer portal talk. Hey Tim, man, the mailbag is so thick. I'm just thinking we'll just go ahead and dive in right now because so much of this is going to cover a lot of the things we wanted to talk about today, like Alabama men's basketball, like some of the recruiting weekend that we've already covered. And then that Thanksgiving spread power rankings, the, underrated the overrated aspects of thanksgiving spread so you good with doing that now let's get it bb21 gets us going he's got his he's got his thanksgiving power uh, spread power ranking right out the chute he uh he's got sweet potato casserole uh with pecan topping and the marshmallow topping as his uh standalone i'm not a sweet potato guy Tim, I'm not a sweet potato pie guy. I'm not a sweet potato casserole guy, but man, we have it at our spread every year, and it's one of the first things to go, it seems like. Yeah, it's not for me. You should not have <laughs> I mean, just to me, it's a mix. I, no, I can't do it. No, no. And I got candy corn. Is it a dessert or is it a side? You know, what is it? I don't get I know people love it, and I know I'm a little weird about it because Lord knows I was. I was such a weirdo about carrot cake for years. Me too. Like, I didn't understand why do I want carrots. I finally it. got on the team, though, in the last year or two. I did, too. I did. Yeah, same for me. Because it's really not carrots, you know? I mean, well, that was the it's key. a spice cake is all it is. Well, I realized for many years when I said carrot cake and made the carrot joke, they thought I was joking. And then they were like, oh, do you really think it's the full carrot in there? It's not. And then I tried it, so... Not that's not huge for me, no. But I, I can see the attraction for some people. Same for pumpkin pie. Yeah, not a pumpkin pie guy. 
not a sweet potato casserole. Yeah, the childhood trauma with the carrot cake, I think, was the the root of my issue with it. I think I, I think it was like my fifth birthday, you know, and I was a big Carvel ice cream cake kid. I don't know about you, man. The ice cream cakes for the birthdays were the best. And my mom decides that she's going to get me a carrot cake for my birthday cake when I'm five years old. And I was so... So crestfallen by that. Yeah, I think it it impacted me for like the next forty six years. Out of you, I'm surprised she did not catch catch a case over that. I gotta I, I gotta get a better help account or something to work you, through um, that. That tells me Miss Ryder forgot your birthday. <laughs> Ran to the grocery store. There was one cake left. You're probably right. Like, You're not wrong. You're probably trying, not wrong. She's yeah. trying to whip cream. Happy birthday, Trav. I love you. <laughs> oh man and i think it had the pecans like in the icing and i I wasn't a big pecan guy back then yeah that was that was an issue i can see why people like it i'm it's not that i've gotten where i love it now i love i love carrot cake now yeah i was going back to the the uh yeah carrot cake to me is different but the pumpkin pie the sweet potatoes those it goes quick too dude it's gone they do. They love it. I'm glad they. What eat. about what about green bean casserole? See, it's like the casserole Olympics for Thanksgiving, and I grew up eating so many casseroles. My stepmom was casserole queen. I mean, every damn night it was casseroles, you know. And so I appreciate a good casserole, but if if I never see one again, that's okay too. Uh, I don't like the green bean casserole. I'm a straight green bean guy. Just put them out of a out of a yeah. can, eat them up. I do. Uh, I think the casserole I like the most is we make. Or my wife makes a uh, potato. It's like a twice baked potato. Oh casserole. yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that hits home pretty good. Like hash that. brown casserole is good. She, well, she yeah. does this crazy thing now for the kids with uh, hash brown sausage casserole. Ooh. So it's a it's a pretty it's pretty easy, pretty good. So yeah, that sounds uh that sounds good. Rising Tide Twenty One. Um, which in-state kids would Auburn making a coaching splash sway the most? Let's say Lane Kiffin gets that job, takes that job. Uh, or if it's maybe it's Cadillac Williams. Is is there some specific guys right now in state that you think would, would impact? You no, know, I, um, don't, I don't really think, you know, this, this class is so defensively heavy and you're not hearing – the biggest names guys like, you know, you're not hearing, you know, Tony Mitchell or Peter Woods, James or Quay mention Ole Miss. So I don't think Ole Miss is involved in a lot of those guys. I would think some offensive guys possibly, you know, I, mean, I think I think the Briarwood quarterback is pretty firmly committed to Clemson. Uh, but, you know, uh, if he wasn't, that could be a guy that if Lane Kiffin's been recruiting him. I don't know many of these kids mentioned in Ole Miss right now. Um, I will say that having a new coach, any coach helps compared to the situation they were in. They had a coach um, they knew was, you know, you know, you know, standing on the plane, getting ready to, to, to flip off into the ocean. You knew that was happening. So any coach is actually better. I don't know what kids consider a splash hire. I think most of these guys consider um, who they know. And I don't think many of the guys in the state have a strong relationship with Lane Kiffin. As far as the 2023 group, which isn't surprising. I mean, it's mostly, you know, it's a lot of defensive guys. So that's not going to be super surprising. But I can't recall anybody off the top of my head that have a strong relation with Lane Kiffin. However, I do think Lane Kiffin would be uh, a good hire for for Auburn. I think it would be a 
you know, if the numbers are true, I think it's a great, great opportunity for him as far as numbers go. So, but as far as Lane, you know, Lane, um, I would say Lane's known more as a coach than a recruiter, but also it could depend. Lane could, you know, keep half the staff he's at Auburn has. They've been working. A lot of those guys have been working the in-state kids we're talking about, but Lane himself, I think wouldn't have as much impact as, you know, maybe somebody, you know, somebody else like, a, um, you know, a, a defensive guy that's been recruiting them the whole time. Yeah. And you look at it too, from the Alabama perspective, if Lane were to leave Ole Miss, I guess Suntarian Perkins, right? The outstanding athlete yeah. who is committed to Ole Miss has still been very much in play for the Crimson Tide. I, I, I take it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be you know what happens with Ole Miss's class, what happens with their players. Um, I mean, you know how this thing goes. I mean, there's going to be ten billion questions um, the minute this happens. How does it affect? You know, who will they go after? They'll go after everybody. I mean, I think Ole Miss has a relatively small class. I think when I looked it up, they had twelve or thirteen commitments. It's in the top top twenty five. But then again, at Ole Miss, I think the portal was the biggest recruiting tool they had, you know, with Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. Obviously Lane Kiffin being Lane Kiffin will come in if he if he was to take the Auburn job and he would try to sign, you know, Nick Saban Jr. You know, he would go after anybody that would that would get, you know, that attention that could be a you know a good football player. So um I don't know, to be honest, what the impact would be. I just know that Auburn is in a uh, with a head coach, Auburn is in a lot better shape than they were with a you know with a head coach who was going to get fired yeah i think yeah i hear you on that seems like lane's attraction might be even more about the portal um than it is just on the the grassroots recruiting trail rising tide 21 also asks over under he's got as three for coaching staff changes for alabama this offseason what do you think about that number three on average, I seem like three is the number. Yeah. Um, I'd Regardless. Probably, I'd say with no information, none right now at this stage, I'd say over. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there'll be some changes. I think there'll be some moving around. I don't think, you know, I've seen people suggest everybody get fired, but Nick Saban and one assistant, whoever that is. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that drastic. Joe Pendry can hang around the building. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So uh, Joe Pendry's going to be the last guy to walk out of there it when it's hit, all said and done. Yeah, yeah, it could hit on three. I think it'll probably be over though, um, just basing on uh, time for changes and uh, you know moving some things up. Now, yeah. are you including support staff in that, or are we just talking on the field assistance? Not talking about perhaps other areas of the program. Um, I'm strength and conditioning, sports yeah, science. I would include them. Not that I'm saying any of those are leaving, but I would definitely include anybody that involved. Yeah. Uh, that could be in that mix. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. But I think it could be three coaches or more moving on. Jam Bama, our pal there in the roundtable mailbag, he says dressing is number one in the power rankings for Thanksgiving spreads. And that's just the end of discussion. I will say this dressing definitely over stuffing, right? There's a difference, at least in my book, stuffing is what goes in the Turkey. It's nasty, man. It takes on all the juice, all that crap. Dressing is a standalone item and even how it's made, I guess. Um, 
Where are you at on? I, I can take or leave dressing, though. I mean, I'll get a little scoop. I like to get that corner scoop of it where it's crispier, you know, but uh, I still want it moist. But I kind of can go either way on dressing. I, my, my mom and my wife learned to make it. She makes giblet gravy. Have you ever had that? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a game changer. That takes like I can't eat turkey without it. I'm not a turkey guy. It's mm-hmm. extremely dry. I can get it right coming out of the oven when it's still juicy. But once it dries out, it's hard for me to 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 uh, really focus on it. Just it's a lot of work. I don't want to work when I'm chewing something. But that giblet gravy will uh, will uh, cut it up. The gravy itself with the giblet gravy, the giblet gravy with the dressing helps cut it up for me. So I like dressing, um, but I won't eat dressing alone. If there's number no- one though, number one on the power rankings, no. dressing. I do yeah. not know. I would not rank. I'll that. tell you this. My Aunt Wanda, my dear Aunt Wanda in Saragossa, Alabama, which is just outside of Jasper, Walker County. Oof. Uh, she makes a chicken dressing. It has chicken in it that is dynamite. Yeah. That's what the gravy does. It has a little meat in it. It has a little celery, a little uh-huh. bit of onions and all that kind of stuff. I would, leave, I would leave dressing near the top because I don't know what I could eat Thanksgiving without it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the gravy. I would say the gravy for me is huge. Because otherwise, I'm eating ham and mac and cheese um, and potatoes. I've turned it into a. I've turned it into a, a all yellow plate. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I turned it into just a regular Sunday meal with <laughs> with that gravy. So I guess the gravy's key for me. Jam Bam asking, what do you think about the World Cup so far? I know you're a you're a big soccer fan. I'm actually uh, watching the World Cup. Believe it boy, or not. the U.S. let one. I mean, they got the yeah, point never, in the I've in the draw, won. but. Man, they let one. They let three points get away yesterday against Wales. I really watched the World Cup. You know, wake up, Argentina has gotten beat by the one of the worst teams in the country today. Saudi Arabia. I mean, yeah. amazing. I mean, I looked up the odds. They were like plus seventy five thousand to win it versus Argentina, who was second. So I'm watching it because it's it's on. Um, it's on when nothing else is on right now. So um, I, I find it interesting. I watched the whole U.S. game. It's very frustrating. I think that's why I can't be a soccer fan. But in May, we're kind of following your last. Uh, your yes. So we're going. We're going to go see Crystal Palace. And I'm trying to get a little bit more soccer knowledge. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. I guess it's the European base. Oh, you're going to have a blast, man. Yeah, it's strategic. So, but I mean, it's been good. I mean, Denmark. I mean, I'm look. I go. <laughs> I don't know anybody's name, and most of my jokes are something lame that has to do with nothing. With Just know Christian Pulisic for uh, the U.S. and and I you'll be fine. Crazy. I saw him. I took Grady and our youngest son to see for his birthday. We went to Charlotte to see them play Liverpool, and that guy had a hat trick. So I do know him. Plus, he's from uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and you know Hershey. There you go. I don't understand why nobody gets the relevance of Hershey. It's the Hershey bar. Will scored a hundred damn points in Hershey. He did. They got a whole chocolate bar. Our guy, uh, text tied. He, he, he loves that, uh, Wilt meme. He'll put up with, uh, Wilt holding up the, the hundred. Absolutely. Paper. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I like the world cup. And then he's talking with the ask about Ryan Williams. Yeah. MVP for the 23 class and how special is Ryan Williams? Ryan Williams to me is so damn special. He's a 25 and he should reclassify for this year. Yeah. I said it, Tim. Yeah. He's a, uh, now he's a legitimate, I mean, we know, you know, he's a legitimate talent. Um, 
you know, and, you know, probably, you know, going to get better, going to get a little bit thicker, going to be a little bit stronger. I mean, 15, 16 year old right now is a, no, that's a baby. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, you see like, you know, you kind of think of a high school team as a high school school team, but there is a difference between sophomore strength and senior strength, as we both know. In most cases, you know, his guy's going to get better. Um, I think he'd be in consideration for the – he definitely would be in consideration for the top offensive player in the state this year, which is a mouthful considering everybody that, that they've got and probably in consideration for the number one overall player. Might be a little bit hard to do with guys like James Smith running around there and, and, and being what they are, but he, you know, he's elite. You know, I don't want to – it's hard. You know, I try not to hype him too much too young, but – I mean, what he does week in, week out is pretty special, especially when you know it's coming. The 2023 class, I'll tell you who I like in this uh, current commitment. I like them all. I mean, they're all impressive uh, looking prospects, but I just got a feeling about Dylan Lonergan. I know he's kind of the other quarterback in the class, and maybe it'll play out that way. I like that guy. Um, am I uh, Am I reaching there, do you think, with Dylan Lonergan? Um, no, no, I don't think you're reaching. You know, the thing I like about him is the, 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 the coming on as the last quarterback. I think maybe that's what you like as well too with Dylan. He comes on and he ain't scared. Yeah. That's that, that went on, you know, I think we've got that whole Mac Jones, uh, um, you know, that I've never, you know, I told the story before Mac Jones called me, wanted to know why he was supposed to be scared of two and Jalen. And his opinion, he thought they should be worried, not him. So you got that kind of confidence. It's played, you know, <laughs> paid off for him, you know, uh, pretty well. NFL starter and, you know, national champion and all that kind of stuff. I think Dylan has that into him. I think the worry with Dylan is baseball to some degree because yeah. does he decide to – because he's apparently – I mean, I've talked to enough people. Does he decide to focus on baseball at Alabama? Mm-hmm. Baseball affect his football career – but he's playing at a high level of football, a very competitive guy, and the quarterback race is going to be wide open when he gets there. So, no, I don't think you're uh, – no, I think it was an unbelievable get considering the situation they had at quarterback. Yeah, to get Eli Holstein and then follow that up with yeah, – that was, I like yeah. the – I just like to – you know, I like multi-sport kids too. And uh, the wiring is usually – pretty good in, in those instances. Gabe Lewis here in the roundtable mailbag is asking, what is your favorite Eric Church song and why is it Knives of New Orleans? Now that might be a better question for Tim. I, I'm not big that, on that's the not a better question. The way Gabe words it. <laughs> okay. All right now do I, I don't know. I don't listen I, I don't, don't really listen to Eric Church. I don't I don't have a computer, but the funny part is how Gabe worded it. Yeah. Why is it? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but but your your chance to. I'm honest, I don't know if they're not really an old anything, even semi new. I know songs. If I like a song, I like it. I'm not mm-hmm. a big stand or follower of just just a group or a singer. If that makes sense, I will like a song and go with the song. So me not knowing who an artist is isn't a big deal. So Eric, we do not know who that is. And then is uh, oh is PP. That's not yeah, he said when bad things happen to Auburn, his PP moves. Is this normal? Normal game. That is not yeah. normal. <laughs> um, Bol. He asked about a Bol meet and greet. Yeah. Do Do we need to do that? Really? Yeah. Uh, 
I would be interested to meet a lot of these jokers. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It would be entertaining. No doubt about that. On there. Um, maybe before next season, you know, we got some other yeah. stuff going on here with, with a uh, B of Bama line right now that we're, we're going to be making some changes. And so it's possible we could do a meet and greet, maybe get lucky to come down here and set yeah. up a camp for some point. Um, it seems more realistic than next year for spring ball. This year will just be a little bit too early for us, but yeah, it's possible. Gabe, uh, I appreciate the uh, success of Eric Church, but maybe listen to some Tyler Childers if you ever get a chance. That's that's more along my lines of that genre these days. Uh, you know what else, too, with the roundtable mailbag? It kind of, in some instances, becomes the version of a portalette on a job site. You know how the walls inside a portalette, you know? Uh, the graffiti and the the stuff that gets written on it, we get some of that too in the round table <laughs> round table mailbag, man. You get some wild stuff in the mailbag, and so if we don't address some of it, that's kind of why, you know, it it is what it is. Hey, our guy Thrill Two K One, he wants to know what's your favorite Iron Bowl memory. Man, you know the you know the Iron Bowl for me. I guess I'm just that guy. I go straight to the negative half the time. Because some have been so painful. Um, you know, my favorite Iron Bowl game probably was a probably was a thirty-six to nothing game when after breaking the streak, was it five or six games, seven out of eight or something like oh, that? Oh yeah. That was a that was a good mm-hmm. game, thorough thorough uh whipping to uh you know for years of frustration. And the next year, wasn't that Roy Up, Roy Up Church's year in 09? Yeah, that was a hell of a game that, down on the Plains, was, yeah. That, that as a game, that was an amazing game. Um, mm-hmm. As a play, that play I'll never forget. I thought that was amazing. You know, a lot of these games have been, you know, when Alabama won, have been, you know, pretty pretty decisive. But I will say, if I wasn't an Alabama or Auburn fan, the game I probably would have enjoyed the most would have been the uh, – that 55-40, shootout <laughs> that they had in the Iron Bowl, which I'm 2014. Not sure. yeah. yeah. Not sure we're ever, ever going to see that again, but it was one of, that was. Nick Marshall game. threw for over 400 yards in that it was game. Amazing. It was unbelievable. It was just, it was just, yeah, it was amazing. Could not stop Auburn's guys on the, uh, on the outside. Had to go to the bullpen. Bradley Silve came off the bench. Then of course, last year game. with Bryce's drive, the two point conversion, you know, Mechie doing the, you know, the crow, the, the karate kid move. That was a uh, unbelievable moment that did not seem likely for most of that game. My favorite memory is Van, still Van Tiffen in 85 from 52 yards out to win the game in Birmingham. That's the Daniel. I'm looking at the Daniel Moore right now. It's the black and white version where he drills the, the field goal in 85. Um Thrill 2K1 also wants to know our prediction for the college football playoff final four this year. Uh, gosh, I mean, Georgia. Yeah. Winner of Ohio state, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, you would think assuming that even with a loss, perhaps in the big 10 championship game, they would still qualify. You know, USC is very interesting here. Got to play Notre Dame coming up and then got the PAC 12 championship game. Uh, TCU, can they run the table? Uh, there are just a lot of moving pieces still, even when you get beyond Georgia and how this thing can play off, play out. And that's why we talked about earlier. 
I don't laugh off the eternal optimists that we've seen on the roundtable with the scenarios of Alabama still making the college football playoff. I'm not anticipating that happening. And you're right, what you said earlier. There are a lot of teams that you still not only have to deal with in front of you, but there still could be some behind you that if they win a conference championship or they run the table here in the last couple of weeks, they could vault up into one of those top four. Is Clemson out? See, I don't think Clemson's out. See, that's some, there's teams we're forgetting, like you said. There's there's teams I think not very talked about. I think Oregon's definitely out once you get to that. You know, once you get to Tennessee, Oregon, those rankings, I think of those two losses. Yeah. um, You know, once you get to that, Alabama's probably the only two loss team outside of LSU under consideration. LSU obviously would have to beat Georgia um, there. But I do think that USC is going to get a tip of the hat because I'm not sure you could they would love anything more. You know, you get Michigan, Ohio State, that region's represented. You get Georgia, that's represented. You get USC, that's represented. You get TCU. I don't think that's the perfect Texas school, but you do have a Texas team there. Obviously, they want a Texas or Texas A&M, but that's a pretty wide cover in the, the nation Final Four. I'm, and I, th- I still think that stuff factors in. But, yeah, I think you see USC's in it. I don't think they're at the same level as those, you know, that, you know, I don't think they're good enough to beat Georgia, Ole Miss, uh, Ohio State, or Michigan, but um, I definitely think they're in it. Through Thrill2K1 also asks, how far back do you and I go with each other, and where did we first meet? Well, I mean, we go back to 2003 is when I came on, and we 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 met, basically, and it's been basically, what, damn, 20 years now doing this stuff together? My, Tim is my work wife, or whatever, you know. I mean, yeah, it's uh, we've known each other a long time. It's pretty easy working together. Um, <laughs> it was back in the day. It was a trip, dude, because it was literally you and me. And you were also at the time doing yeah. a lot of national college basketball recruiting stuff. In addition to this. Yeah. So I was traveling um, and we were a lot. We were younger. We kids. If we had kids, they were very young, very young. Yeah. Yeah. You season. It was it was love. It was fantastic. We loved it. Um, and then it started getting a hassle. You know, you're going to an AAU tournament. You get a, a text where it still looks like, a, you know, a text looks almost like a um, um, I mean, Texan wasn't very popular. So I did Latin. Said yeah. Mike Price, it was a, maybe I, even a beep. A yeah, beeper. Yeah. It was like Mike Price got caught with a. Caught oh, my God. Yeah. Started with that. And I'm driving. I'm like, man, I cannot, you know, so eventually came off the road. But yeah, it's been easy working together. We we have a ton in common, considering we got a you know a lot of. I mean, we do. I mean, we got the same age, we got the same kids, yeah. we got the same. I think we've grown to be more alike as we got older. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, I think and, I think we morphed into almost. Travis just went on a trip. Not to get too sentimental. <laughs> Travis just went on a trip that I was scheduling in May, and neither of us had talked about it. <laughs> I just looked up homeboys on my trip. <laughs> Six months. Yeah, but see, you've already been on my Italy trip. So yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. We're even know. thinking like we asked the wives. Apparently the wives are a lot alike. Yeah, they must yeah, We're, they must be like, connected. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're both Heathers, right? Absolutely. It's been a good yeah. one. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun. It's just been amazing to watch the genre change like it has, man. Just how you and I have communicated throughout the years, the 
the move into multimedia, right? Around 2005, 2006, I remember, you know, going to an Alabama practice with a handheld little digital camera for the first time. People are looking at me like I'm a Martian, like, what are you going to do with that thing? And then we have practice video back then and uh, how that came along and, you know, just the, the recruiting part of it and with what Shannon uh, and you and and others have implemented not only from a BOL perspective, but network wide, like the 24 seven sports composite rankings, things like that. Um, it's been, it's been a trip. I remember, I remember talking to Shannon, who's Shannon Terry, the CEO of rivals and, uh, 24 seven. And now the CEO of on three, a close friend of, of Bama lines and me and Travis's personally, I remember like when I was talking to him, cause I, you know, I was going to these events I was going to AAU at the time running a college basketball scouting service. I was doing film and sending to college coaches. And I would say, you know, this kid looks like this to me. And he finally said, what do you mean you saw him? And I'll say, well, I go to the school, I get a VHS tape, get the highlight tape or game film. And he's like, dude, I can put that on the internet. Yeah. And I was almost like, what's the internet? (laughs) Yeah. That internet. So next thing you know, we're putting up video, which led, you know, obviously led, you know, we were, I mean, obviously it was coming anyways, but now you got huddle where I don't have to go to high schools anymore. Right. Delivered into my computer, which I love, but definitely, definitely a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of miles, you know? Yeah. We, we, we ran the, we ran the, the trail. There's no doubt about it. You did it. And, um, uh, and then we've had others that have done it. TG Pascal was a guy that we got out there and, uh, did a lot of that kind of stuff for us, but you're right, man, with huddle and, um, you know, so many other aspects coming into play. I, I'm not complaining, put it that way. Right. I don't think you are either right. from that perspective. Um, hey, uh, Ronnie Bismuth here in the, uh, round table mailbag. He wants to know the overall thoughts of the basketball team four games into the season, and how do we think the point guard position shakes out come conference play with Sears, Bradley, and a returning Javon Quinterly, who played 17 minutes in the win over Jacksonville State last Friday night? Absolutely. looked good. Not only did he play, he's jumped up. I think he leads the team in assists. He's a pass, he was a pass-first uh, lead guard. He's a really good passer, good ball controller. It's good to see him. He looked quick and healthy to me. Mm-hmm. I Confident was, too, man. Confident. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's been a big, you know, mindset for him. I mean, the team itself, uh, I love what I've seen. Absolutely. I'm thrilled. And I know there's people slow your horses. You got everybody always telling you to be less enthusiastic. I'm not being unrealistic. I think this is a, a hell of a fun team to watch. I think they compete. I think I know they're going to lose games. I know they're going to struggle at times being a young team. We've seen them struggle a little bit, um, you know, in the, in the South Alabama, for instance. But you can see what this team can do as a whole. They got a huge test on Thursday, obviously. Michigan State, a legitimate, you know, legitimate basketball team. I mean, Tom Rizzo is kind of like the – I mean, I think Nick Saban's a pretty fair comparison with Rizzo, right? Pretty consistent, um, you know, you know, keeps a good team. I mean, already beat Kentucky, Villanova. Um, been in some really tough battles, lost to Gonzaga on the boat, um, overtime, a couple of overtimes with Kentucky and a two point win over Villanova. So they've been in some battles, which Alabama has not been in. 
So I think that could factor in. Alabama is probably looking at a battle, a much closer game than they're used to. So they'll have to overcome that adversity. But I will say this about this team. They're young and they're confident. And I don't think they lack for, 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 I don't, I think they're probably super excited to be going against Michigan State, a number 12 ranked team who easily with one more basket against Gonzaga is looking at a top five ranking. They are. And yeah, Izzo and Michigan State will challenge Alabama in ways that they haven't been challenged. And, uh, but you're right. If Alabama is going to make 21 threes like it did against Jacksonville State, it's probably not going to matter who's on the other side. But, Michigan State is going to make those looks tougher than a Jacksonville State did. I think we all realize that. They're going to challenge you more in terms of physicality in the paint, also on the glass, where Alabama's been very, very good. As far as the Sears, Bradley, Quinterly dynamic, Ronnie, I think one of the things Nate isn't afraid to do is put multiple point guards on the floor together. So I don't think it's a situation, Tim, where it's always – either Sears or Bradley or Quinterly. I can envision some scenarios where we see a couple, if not all three of those guys, perhaps at times out there together. No, absolutely. I don't think, I don't think with this, I think with this lineup, he can mix and match really well. I mean, Michigan state is pretty physical inside and, you know, it'll be a challenge for, you know, Charles for Betty Yako to stay out of foul trouble, but they're going to have, um, they're gonna they're gonna have guys that can run out that can challenge at the rim. They're not gonna be as strong as they are, but they are gonna be as 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 Michigan State is in my opinion. They're gonna have some bulls down there, but they are gonna be long. They're big guys like to step out, shoot some threes too. It looks like, um, and they're gonna be able to defend them. Bediaco can defend out there, especially Clowney. Those guys, Brandon Miller. You know, we're looking at him as basically a guard, small forward at this stage, but he's got big man length. I mean, he's yeah, got, six nine. Yeah, yeah, he's size, but it's not just he's six nine. His arms are seven two. It looks, <laughs> you know, and you see they that, are, yeah, yeah. You know, you see that, and that. I mean, I see it every night, every time the Pelicans play. I mean, I saw Herb Jones last night, same deal, block a Jordan pull three pointer coming off a screen. That's yeah, the thing to do. There's not many jump shots blocked in the National Basketball Association or in college, but these guys have that ability, and they're willing defenders. So. I think, you know, and of course, you know, I see that if they shoot like this uh, against Michigan State, like they did South Alabama, they lose. They might lose. They're going to lose some games anyways. This is a this is a hell of a schedule. They're Look fans. at that December schedule. There's a hell of a, they're going to lose. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, you, I look for even in an ugly win or a pretty win. What's the effort? The effort is there. If you look at this team on the sidelines, they all seem to be in sync. I mean, when that game was up big, the games are up big, and they're bringing in the walk-ons, I'm telling you, the starters are more excited than the walk-ons. They're mm-hmm. having each other, hugging each other. When the other, you know, one of those guys scores, they go crazy. There's a lot of camaraderie on the team, the way this looks. Um, you don't see any pouting. You don't see anybody, you know, dropping their head or walking around. Even Quinterly in his first game had a couple, you know, one pass I thought could have been an assist, and another pass he shot it. You know, like that damn T-shirt thing they shoot at a football game. Foof! He had a pass full length of the floor that was going to be a beauty. Somebody could have ran out for it. But I didn't see him, you know, doing the head down or down on his silk. It's going to be important with this group because he has to be the leader for these young guys. Yeah. You know, the big guys got to help the little guys out. The uh, incentive for for Alabama to win this game Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, 
it's already a late tip against Michigan State at 9.30 Central out in Portland. If they don't win, their next game will be Friday night tipping off around midnight Central out there. So here's to a win over Michigan State so you get the earlier tip time on Friday against the winner of Oregon and UConn. In the top of that bracket, you got North Carolina, Villanova. So very nice event out there in Portland. And, man, you look at that December schedule that we were talking about for this Alabama team. How about this week, basically? Saturday, December the 10th at Houston. Tuesday, December the 13th, you get Memphis in Tuscaloosa. And then this following Saturday, December 17th, Gonzaga in Birmingham. That's some uh, that's some real deal non con right there. You won't. I mean, you don't want to be. Yeah. You don't want to be. In my opinion, you don't want to be on a eleven game win streak hitting your conference play. I think you want to be challenged. You want to. Right. They got to learn how to lose. They got to learn how to get elbowed in the mouth. They got to learn how to take a 11-0 run and fight back from it. And that's what this team's for. I know there's a lot of impatience with every fan base, but this is a this is a good basketball team right now, and it has a different feel. The last year's, I still think last year's underachieved because I think they were more talented. I just don't think they had that same. I don't know if camaraderie is the word or or gel or whatever word you want to use, but this team feels right if that makes sense. And it's not just an Alabama fan saying it. I know we all watch Alabama, we want them to be good and all that kind of stuff. I got people who aren't Alabama fans who are just college basketball fans or fans of other schools, and when they see Alabama, they're like, "Damn, this looks different. This looks right." So regardless of what happens. On this stretch, I mean, four of these, you know, the next six games heading into the SEC are going to be really tough, you know, really tough. Um, but I'm expecting Alabama to compete in, in all of them. Should be uh, battle tested by the time SEC play opens on December the 28th against the Bulldogs of Mississippi State. Tide steel here as we wrap up the mailbag on a Tuesday edition of T Watts and TR on the Bama Online Podcast. He wants to know how many five stars does Alabama close with in this class? I believe it's five that they're sitting with already. Uh, and who knows based on how rankings are. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big part in the five stars. You know, it's like five stars are kind of like the biggest myth in, in uh, sports because in, in, uh, in the college rankings, because you only get 32 of them. So every time some jackass NFL announcer comes up and goes, there's more three stars in the NFL than five stars, of course there is. There was 10,000 three stars and there was 32 five stars, all right? Of course there is, you know. So it's hard. You don't know who's going to finish the rankings. A lot of these guys aren't even close to finish with five-star rankings. I mean, obviously they have guys like Keon Keeley, James Smith, I think are very secure in the in the five star Quay Russo's on the bubble. It's funny. I love Quay Russo. You know, I don't I don't know what else you're looking for in a football player. He's as good as as anybody in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to come down to stuff like that. And then you got guys like you know Desmond Ritz, who Alabama's involved with with LSU, uh, still hosting for an official visit, who moved up from last year's class to this year's class. So moved up from 24 to 23 IMG product. So I mean, you know, I think. I would say they get a couple more. You know, I think the biggest thing is hold on to what they've got. But I do think they get a couple more there in the mix. And there's some other things working behind the scenes. So to be determined, probably a little early for that for me, because a lot of these guys are still figuring this out on their visits. Tad still also hit on the coaching situation at Alabama. 
Uh, we kind of covered that earlier. I will say I continue to hear Bill O'Brien prominently with Georgia Tech in that opening. Although Brent Key, man, the former Alabama offensive line coach, all he keeps doing is winning games as the interim head coach on the flats. Most recently, that upset of North Carolina last weekend. We'll see how that continues to play out. Tide Steel also asks, how many dogs, Tim, are too many? And I don't know, Tide Steel. You're asking the wrong guy. I never. No dog? No, shit. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I came into this bad boy like I didn't know what life was going to give me, but I did not. I'm kind of a loner. I like, you know, I'm a short dose people. I'm great to go out with for one night, but I get stale that second night. Um, and somehow I ended up with four kids, two dogs and two cats. <laughs> not, a pet, not a pet person. Didn't know I was a kid person. Um, so I don't know. I mean, two's not, I think one, you know, I don't, it depends. I mean, I match in my misguided attempts at life. I have, I match them. We had two kids yeah. eight months apart. We had no two kids, 18 months apart. I was two months apart from my brother. I mean, six, 18 months apart from my brother, my older two, two months, months, damn my older two months. Yeah. That was quickie. The other two most were that way. So we sort of come in pairs. So for me, you want them to have a, you know, I'm, I'm not smart. I want to like the cat needs a friend and then they fight in the house all the time. So I'm not, right. But they love it. They apparently they do. So I don't know. You know, I think uh, yeah. over three is definitely too many. Yeah. I got three or more. Yeah. I mean, we're a one dog fam. You know, we've got little Teddy ball game right now. Right. And he's it. But there are times when I look over there at him and he's in his little bed like he's just bummed. And you're thinking he could use a little companionship right now. So I get it with the two dog approach. I get that. But the three dog night, that's where I draw the. I don't think I go any higher for any more pets um, than than we are. And also, we kind of keep them. We have an older, you know, we have an older cat. We have Mm -hmm. older. We have a younger cat. We have a younger dog. And really, it's just because I don't want to, you know, I never wanted to see the kid. I'll tell you this. I am the worst. When I was a kid, every pet I owned died. Every single pet I owned. My Doberman escaped the yard and got ran over. Jumped the fence. Jumped a four and a half foot fence like he was a, a Olympic athlete. Ran over, died under my car when I was at school. So I had the worst pet luck. So I never really wanted to be close to him. Um, so I think I'm a little sensitive to that. So I always keep another one on hand so they can't be like a complete morning session. So we'll we'll take, yeah, there's we take episode. Teddy over to see his cousins, you know, oh. that way he gets some of that. Well, there's an episode of the show King of Queens. And if anybody doesn't watch this show or hasn't at least tried it, I'm disappointed in you and lack of effort. But there's an episode where his wife and him are, they go to the family house and they're, he's hanging out with his dog. And she's looking through the family photos, and there's pictures of him with him. He's in his late 30s. There's pictures of him with the dog at 3, 15, 24, and now. And she's like, what the hell? <laughs> those, parents, those parents have been rotating that dog. Every time it died, they got another one just like it. Tide still also asks in closing here, favorite Thanksgiving pie? Obviously, you know by now that for Tim and I, it is not sweet potato nor pumpkin. And uh, also your favorite side for Thanksgiving? Um, I do like a uh, I do like a really good mac and cheese. Not like okay. a little craft. It has to be like a gourmet type. Yeah. Um, 
Um, I do like that. I don't eat it very often, but I little will. Little breadcrumbs on top, baked yeah, on top. I love, I love a Hawaii roll on Thanksgiving. I should have mentioned Ooh. it earlier. I don't know how many Ooh. people. That's, that's that I love. There's a lot you can do there. There's a lot of mixture you can do there. So as far as pies go, Tide Still, if I could pick just one, it would be a peanut butter pie. Love it. Um, my favorite side, I, I'm going to be really basic and go with uh, mashed potatoes and gravy, man. Mashed potatoes and gravy to go with that turkey. Yeah, that works for me. And I like a little – if you want to put a little sour cream, you know, people try to get too crazy with the mashed potatoes sometimes, though. You know, they, they put all this different stuff in it. You want to put a little, I get it, a little cream, maybe a little even sour cream in it. Give it a little something different, a little zest. Okay, but don't go, don't go too crazy with the mashed potatoes, right? It's a three or four ingredient type of situation. That's it. That's all you got to do with the mashed potatoes. They're pretty simple. I mean, you could instantly just throw in some butter and you could nail it. You're going to be sitting around watching football and sports all day on this Thursday coming up too, man. We talked about Alabama, Michigan State hoops, but... And the NFL with the Lions for crying out loud coming on. Jamison Williams gonna play this week. That'd be awesome. For the Lions. Mac Jones that night. I mean, for Alabama fans, there's it's a, a lot. Fun Thursday, yeah. It's a good. I mean, you've got. I mean, these games are always kind of like, you know. I mean, the, the Patriots and Vikings will certainly be interested. Vikings have took a really tough loss to the Cowboys. The mm-hmm. Giants have kind of seen that Cinderella slipper crack a little bit. Um, but you've got good games, and you've got good college games. you got the Egg Bowl that night. I don't care where Lane Kiffin is next year. That game is fun to watch between him and Leach. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a lot, you know, there's a lot happening. Then you got Alabama late at night, and I get it. I mean, I, I mean, I get everybody texting me that is, you know, I think a lot of my friends are basically the day before type planners for their, their, their sports, and they're just now like, hey, man, did you know Bama played at 930? And I was like, yes, it's a we talked about it for a couple of weeks on the pod. Yeah, it is. A, yeah, it is. A, it is a late game. But me, you know, I know you, too. It's kind of reminds me of last year. Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. I think it was that night. Alabama beat Gonzaga out in Seattle. Remember that? That was that was absolutely same day, wasn't it? Yeah, because I remember a week full of, oh, Lord, trepidation. <laughs> the board is going to implode. And I'm like, holy crap, Georgia did a pretty yeah. easy win. And then, it was like Mardi Gras on the board holy instead. Holy crap, J.D. Davis. J.D. Yeah. put up huge. Actually had a, uh, you know, that goes to the C and J.D. in the um, in the G League. He's doing pretty well. Kyra had a great first game. Not as good the second game. I think he's going to be on – some maintenance, but I was, you know, I'm kind of surprised you see these guys, you know, you know, coming off these injuries mm-hmm. in basketball and they, I mean, Kyra looks super fast, which he's always been. And then you see Quinterly who looked the same way, very confident, very quick, very certain. So, you know, um, it's good to see them back and, and play. And of course the Pelicans are doing really well. So hopefully Kyra can get out there and get some, uh, some NBA minutes and earn that spot on the team. So, but yeah, a lot of great sports, coming up what's your uh before we get off do you have a thanksgiving movie see when i think thanksgiving movies i think they're basically christmas movies too i don't know for me the list probably starts at planes trains and automobiles see, that's, what about where, you? that's the one you gotta watch i feel like you gotta watch yeah. plane, trains and automobiles speaking of christmas movie have you seen they uh they did a sequel to the christmas story yeah billingsley's like an adult now i haven't watched that i've seen yeah. it on the menu have you watched it 
well, this is the week when the kids get out of school. Today's their last day. We'll start digging into stuff like that. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. We can talk about it next time uh, on the uh, on the podcast. We can talk about it. But it's, I mean, obviously, what I don't get, and let me just say this for the record, the people that say Christmas stories overrate, overrated Josh Pate, who knows nothing about movies or television, <laughs> the people that say it's – what do they mean it's overrated? It may be oversaturated, I mean, but like, it's not overrated. It's it is, a good movie. It is really good movie. A, a great period piece. It looks just like that era. Yeah. The the the, the, the dad, dad is perfect. The yeah. dad is perfect. The kid, the BB. That is stuff we thought as yeah. a kid. We had stupid. Adults don't like to believe this, but we all had stupid dreams about shooting people with the BB gun or whatever dreams we had. We had that. I mean, the dog, the Chinese flu, fla la 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 la. What do you mean <laughs> it's overrated? Like, what are you even comparing it to? No, it's not overrated. Like I, I said, I it's mean, oversaturated. I mean, it's, well, yeah, it, I mean, well, it's, it, it's a lot, you know, yeah, but you, yeah. I, I still can watch it once a year and feel like, yeah, that's well, still good. It's a very simple movie. I don't know if people need, like, you know, action, but, you know, it's almost like saying, you know, the, um, um, I I don't know. I mean, Josh Paitlin and I literally were discussing this this week. He just out of the blue. I told him they made the sequel. He said overrated. And here's where <laughs> here's where the debate ends. When I say overrated, how? Then yeah. they shut up. I'm busy. That's how this discussion goes. Because it is a great movie. It's funny. I mean, the mom was a mom. The Christmas tree. You know, I was very young. Missed that generation. But I've seen. The, that's exactly that tinsel. That tinsel set the whole house on fire. Tinsel that literally was all over my grandmother's tree. Absolutely, I mean we would take it by the handful and just throw it on trees when I was a kid. Popcorn, now is popcorn strings? Yes, all that stuff was for real. What about uh, is Thanksgiving night too early to screen Die Hard, which we know is also a Christmas movie? No, I think you know. I don't think it is. Um, okay. Um. And when do the six trees at Casa de Watt start to go up? The six Christmas trees. Does that start yeah, that's, Thursday, Friday? That'll start Friday. We'll see what she's doing. I mean, she's she's been pretty pretty nice around this house. Lord, that usually means we got another tree coming. But there you go. Yeah. Probably change it. I mean, we got the you know, got the Mardi Gras tree. She's got the Alabama tree with the top is the Bear Bryant hat, the uh, she's got the kids' tree, the Candyland tree, which is actually. You got a Griswold tree, like in Christmas no. Vacation, where they literally go out into the wild. Hell no, I've never. The neighbor says, "Griswold, what are you going to do with that tree?" And Clark says, "Bend over, and I'll show you." <laughs> I, did make the, I did make the kids watch European Vacation. Oh yeah, yeah. For our European trip, so absolutely. But it's not too early. I think Christmas movies are so many of them. We'll start working them in. Uh, we'll start working them in this week, in fact. Yeah, never too early. Well, Tim, we're good here in the mailbag. I think we're good for the pod as well. Got to start getting ready. Got to get uh, uh, get the Thanksgiving uh, festivities underway here very, very soon. We certainly hope each and every one of you have an outstanding holiday, a safe holiday, peaceful holiday. And we appreciate you, as always. We're thankful for you joining us on the Bama Online Podcast here, but certainly – each and every day, right there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Crimson Tide fans around the globe. And uh, anything else, Tim, before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. 
you know, I think that's it. Everybody have a great and safe Thanksgiving. Yep. We'll be keeping you up to speed on the big recruiting weekend too, right? I mean, real time updates in that regard on the round table. Yep. Sounds good. You guys have a good one. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on T. Watts and TR, part of the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online Podcast, we hope you'll do that. Simple as a click or two. And if you'd leave us a rating and a review, that would help us tremendously. And we would greatly appreciate that as well. Until next time, so long, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving.